When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're going to look at the Hall of Faith, the Hall of Faith in Hebrews, and examine it. Some pretty hard truths there to wrap our minds around, for sure. But join us also, Bishop Anscar and scar um, a little bit later in the in the podcast blessings on this cold day in texas wherever you are i hope that you find some warmth from others from god from yourself and from good coffee or tea this is the hall of faith the Hall of Fame for the Christian Church, the early Christian Church, which included not only early Christian martyrs, but also all the martyrs of, the, of Holy Scripture, of the people of God, in both the Old Testaments and the New. And the author of Hebrews recounts some of them in great detail, some by name and some unnamed. Gideon. Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. When Barack Obama was elected president of the United States, a lot of people thought that was a was, was kind of a unique name, perhaps. It was a Bible name right here in Hebrews and in the Old Testament. Um, it's nice to see that one coming back. Bible names sort of have a a circular shelf life when it comes to naming babies. They, there's ones that are kind of always popular, like David, Michael. Um, and then there's others that sort of circulate here and again, and I, I think Barak is one of them. Um, if you go to Israel, there's lots of people named Barak. Um, Samson, probably not as common of a baby name these days. Jephthah. It's strange that Jephthah is included in this list. His story is a really sad one. He is one of the judges living in that time where there is no king in Israel and every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Jephthah is in a a tight spot and he makes a vow to God. If If you save me, if you deliver my enemies into my hand, I will sacrifice the first thing that greets me when I come back to my home. And God delivers his enemies into his hands and saves his life and his people. And he comes back and the first thing, person, animal that comes out of his house to greet him is his daughter. And it's a terrible, a tragic story. Why he is included in this list, um, you will have to ha- take that one up with God. And God's mysterious relationship of faith. Abraham is mentioned as well. And the mark of faith is similar to Jephthah's. Abraham, take your son, your only son, and go to a place and offer him as a sacrifice. That is what the author of Hebrews 
points to Abraham as his faith. Faith is one of those things that defies human logic or understanding. Faith is not, as Kierkegaard says, an archaic, primitive way of seeing the universe that we somehow move on from as we mature and grow up as a species and become more enlightened, more scientific. No, he says, faith is the end of our journey. It is where we are still trying to get to, in spite of knowing a lot more about the world and life and ourselves and others, we still need faith. We still need those seeds of hope that trust God and say, God, I will follow you no matter where you lead me. This is the life of faith. It's beyond intelligence, beyond reason. And in stories like Abraham and even stories like Jephthah, They defy real human understanding. They did amazing things, and they suffered huge losses, these knights of faith, these ladies of faith. They were torn apart. They were tortured, persecuted, executed. They wandered homeless on the streets, in the deserts, on the mountains, And they never received what God had fully promised. This is the hard lesson of faith. Faith is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Faith is not an early rewards benefit. It is not a sign-on bonus. There is no upfront payment for faith. The payment for faith, the reward of faith, comes at the end. It doesn't come at the beginning. In fact, what comes at the beginning of a life of faith is really difficult circumstances, ones that defy human logic or understanding. And this is what the author of Hebrews is telling this fledgling church that is being persecuted, that is suffering, that is wondering, when are we going to have this temple restored that we lost? When are we going to have the the great kingdoms of David and Solomon restored to us? When are we going to fight and win battles again? And the author of Hebrews is saying exactly what Jesus said. My kingdom is not of this world. The kind of marks of success in the kingdom of God are not the worldly and earthly marks of success. They are something completely and utterly and wholly different. They are, in fact, the reward of faith. Abraham received his reward of faith at the end of his life. And so everyone who follows in his footsteps do as well. And Sarah as well, his wife. Because ultimately, this is Jesus. We are running the race with Jesus. And we are surrounded by a giant cloud of witnesses. A giant cloud of cheerleaders who are cheering us on and saying, Go, you can do it. You can make it. Some of them are missing eyes and hands and feet and have wounds. Some of them have suffered incredible losses for the life of faith. And they are cheering us on, this great cloud of witnesses. I hope you can feel them today. As it says, some of them endured cold, something we in Texas have a lot of anxiety about 
given what happened last year and, and other times as well. But this is the life of faith that God calls us to. This is what Jesus did. He set aside the joy of the moment for the glory of the cross. He endured the cross, despising the shame, disregarding the shame. There was great shame in the cross, and there is always great shame in faith. When you follow God in faith, there will be shame involved. There will not be the marks of success that everyone sort of wants and craves and expects. What there will be is an identification with Jesus Christ who understands that kind of shame. The shame of winning in a different way. The shame of power through weakness. That is what Jesus says his power is. It is the power of the cross, the ultimate mark of shame. The cross, the crucifixion, was a way to torture slaves and execute escaped enslaved people. Roman, the Roman population was somewhere between like 50% or more enslaved. And slaves had no rights in the Roman Empire. And if they escaped, their entire comrades of slaves, the, the entire household of enslaved people would be tortured, executed, if one of them escaped, and they would be crucified. When the great slave uprising of Spartacus, which you may have seen the show or the movies, happened, they crucified every single one of those escaped enslaved peoples who were fighting for their life. And they lined the road, the Appian Way, into Rome with crosses, thousands, hundreds of them, And so the cross was a sign of shame. It was a sign that Rome could do whatever they wanted to you, and there was nothing you could do about it. And that is the symbol of our faith. The ultimate shame becomes the ultimate power and victory. The ultimate weakness becomes the ultimate strength. The ultimate emptying of authority and power is where Jesus rules from. And we follow him in this life of faith. And so, even though it may not seem that we are exercising the same kind of faith that Jesus and these Hall of Faith people did, you are. In planting this church, you are exercising great faith. We will not see the outward marks of success uh, anytime soon. That is the life of faith. And we have to be okay with that. Because that's what Jesus did. We've spent three years together, some of us a little bit shorter than that perhaps, but three years here, um, as long as Jesus' earthly ministry. And at three, the three-year mark in Jesus' ministry, all you had was a crucifixion. And you also had the resurrection, which only a few people knew about. But that story spread around the world, and it took a while for that to happen. And it's going to take us a while for that to happen in this life of faith together. But I think if you were to interview any of those apostles and early followers of Jesus and say, was it worth it? I think every one of them would answer, yes, it was. Because that's the life of faith. Following Jesus. Amen. Is the feast day of Anskar, the Archbishop of Hamburg and a missionary to Denmark and Sweden 
uh, who tends to be very cold places, so maybe appropriate for today. Um, Anscar uh, was born in the um, ninth century, so pretty much a thousand years ago. Um, he um, he is one of those people of whom it said, I shall plant the seed and others shall harvest. He was a church planter. Um, he was sent, he was not from Scandinavia, but he was sent there um, as a missionary, as a church planter there. And uh, planted pretty much two churches on the border, um, borders of these places. And eventually they were able to, um, able to establish congregations, more congregations in these places. And if you go to Sweden today or Denmark, you'll find that they are uh, places where Christianity has deep roots, really deep roots. We have a intercommunion agreement with Sweden, the Church of Sweden, um, and the Episcopal Church, um, just as we do with the ELCA Lutheran Church, um, as we have similar roots in the Reformation. Um, but he was uh, born far away, but went to this place. Um, he heard a, um, a voice, a vision. He had a vision that told him to go and return to me crowned with martyrdom. Um, sent out by God for this work. So he wasn't just out to um, be part of a colonization movement or anything like that in his missionary work, but um, he went to get to know the people that lived there. And the people that lived there were very different from the people that lived in France, where he was from. Others told him that he was foolish and he shouldn't go, but he went. Um, he went... Um, to declare the work of God to the nations as Jesus had sent him. Um, he was very young when he was consecrated as an archbishop um, of there. And um, this was right when the Viking, um, Viking, you know, uh, attacks began to start. And so there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of tension, political tension in what he did. And yet, in spite of the violence of the time, in spite of the obstacles, um, he was able to be faithful where he found himself. And the heritage of Christianity that we have um, in even people that have been very influential in the English-speaking world, like Soren Kierkegaard or Hans Christian Andersen, storytellers, and uh, many others from these places that have blessed our lives, are part of the, the fruit of his labors there um, a thousand years ago. Almighty and everlasting God, who did send thy servant Anskar as an apostle to the people of Scandinavia, and didst enable him to lay a firm foundation for their conversion, though he did not see the results of his labors, keep thy church from discouragement in the day of small things, knowing that when thou hast begun a good work, thou wilt bring it to a fruitful conclusion through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. 